Hello everyone, welcome back to Haunted Picture Palace. I am Ben, one of the hosts, and this is Amelia. Another one of the hosts. Yes, and today we are talking about The Ballad of Tam Lin, or The Devil's Widow, a 1971 film which is an adaptation of the folk ballad, which was directed by Roddy McDowell, who regular listeners will know better as Peter Vincent Vampire Killer from Fright Night from a few weeks ago. Yes. Very exciting. Love a link. <laughs> well, there you go. It was his only film. It was the only film he directed. And it didn't do very well and sank without trace. <laughs> but unjustly, I think it is. Good blame. I shouldn't, shouldn't lead with that. I think it is an interesting thing coming at a very interesting time mm -hmm. in... Uh, in film. I feel like there's no point in having a podcast if you can't sort of indulge some of your interests. Mm -hmm. And so you may have noticed a bit of a slant and some of our picks towards that particular late 60s, early 70s period in British filmmaking that I think is extremely fertile for weirdly supernatural things, mm. ghosts and witches and various interest in the occult and this is another from that very fertile five-year period mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of great stuff in here so we'll crack on with it shall we mm -hmm. so we open on our two leads that's Ava Gardner, mm -hmm. Hollywood star, bona fide Hollywood star. Of? Oh, she's in Pandora and the Flying Dutchman with uh, James Mason, the big uh, Technicolor uh, Splendor thing, if that makes sense. She's okay. in the film A Showboat from 1951. Yeah. She's in The Killers, the Burt Lancaster film from 1946. So this is proper, she was proper Hollywood royalty, but then, of course, that's in the 40s and 50s. She was married to Frank Sinatra as well. Ah. Uh, but I forget exactly when. I feel like she was really quite young. But yes, by this point, it's the late 60s when we're filming, because it was. Uh, filming was completed in 69, and then it sat on the shelves for a couple of years. The distributor's not really sure what to do with it. So, yes, by this point in her career, she was in her late 40s and considered sort of passed it a little in, in Hollywood, if that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. it's certainly she wouldn't have been available for a relatively low-budget British-made film like this mm. in her pomp. But it's Hollywood's loss, as far as I'm concerned. Did it's Frank Sinatra marry Mia Farrow as well? Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. connections. This is our second film featuring a, one of Frank Sinatra's former wives. Ava Gardner and I've just written Lovejoy Ian McShane <laughs> young Ian McShane instantly recognisable from Lovejoy yes and EastEnders EastEnders and American Gods I think American he's been Gods. doing for the last few years uh, Deadwood about 10-15 years ago whenever that was Game of Thrones I still fancied him in Game of Thrones <laughs> he was a and I, I'm telling you this because it's such amazing casting but he was a repentant, newly Christianized ex-alcoholic. Right. Just a kindly kind of guy building a church in the middle of nowhere. Fair. And I feel like it's a really good one. He has that kind of face of someone who's been drunk a lot. That's 
I see what you're saying. Mm. It does sound hard. That's what you've already said. You still fancied him in it. I so did. I don't have to feel <laughs> bad for Ian McShane and his glittering 50-year career. <laughs> the scene that we open on is them in bed together. They're, they're trying to be romantic, but they're deeply disturbing people. The opening shot, or one of the opening shots, features a crystal chandelier and the entire room in white. And from what I can gather, I had a little scan, and because a lot of the symbology is really important in the Ballad of Tamlin, the song, a lot of the symbols, a lot of the colours are deliberate, so I assume that that white is a reflection of a white bow of some description featured in the poem, and that they've done that as a direct comparison so that you get this, like, ah, here we are. Very nice, Mm. yes, yes. Yeah, it's a very threatening declaration of love that she gives him i didn't write down exactly what i don't know about hers it's his that i'm concerned about it's him saying i love you and her saying i'm immensely old as the response to i love you which i even think is better than thank you or i know yes you know (laughs) i'm immensely old is like she knows better she doesn't love him it's confirmed here she never loves him at any point in the film in my opinion she she has strong emotions None of them are love. No. <laughs> um, he... But well, we'll get into that. I feel like a lot of the film is about what it means to love in some ways is a theme yeah. that comes up again and again. Ian McShane, as a young man, incredibly beautiful, very, very pretty. Reminds me of someone I used to know, actually. Um, but has very... Oh, lucky you. Yeah, I know. Oh, If Jude Law and Oliver Reed had a love child, I feel like it oh, would be him. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Also, a little bit of Damon Albarn. Who is also a very beautiful man. Don't see that so much, but I can sort of see... I think I can see where you're it's the, coming from. I would it's have said the this. no teeth smile that he does. Ah, okay. It's very Damon Albarn. And I yeah. think it's probably just like the, the Britpop hair. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And yes. Yeah, and I've put that Ava Gardner has very big snake energy. She's very snake. Mm. She's very Disney villain. She, If you watch this film or you go back and you put your cursor through any point of the film... She won't be blinking. Enormous eyes and so much coal around them, you know? Yes. And and while this is going on, Mm. while they're in bed together, we can hear strains of a saxophone sort of drifting up the stairs towards them, I believe, towards the end of of this scene anyway. And we found that a a young saxophonist, unsurprisingly, Mm -hmm. has sort of drifted in. Um, and is sitting on the stairs, on the beautiful stairs, playing the saxophone and wearing her sunglasses and saying that he was just told about this place. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of washed up there. What and... are you doing in my house? Because <laughs> she's a Disney villain. Yeah. But she's a Disney villain who makes a very reasonable offer. Yes. Which is, you know, come and, come and hang out with me until, what is it, until one of us gets bored? I don't think so. That's not really her style, is it? Well, until, you know, until she gets bored of him or until, Mm, yeah. yeah. I guess. It's here as well when you first see a view through a doorway. And views through doorways are very important in this whole film. They are always secrets and they are always deliberate. It's very... um, smoke and mirrorsy, you know, things are deliberately framed so that they give you a small section of what's happening mm. in a kind of effort to deceive you. It's um, a bit like being in a drug haze, that kind of, you get a tiny little portion of what's happening, like you're fixated on the way someone's mouth moves for an hour, but you have no beeping idea what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> it's quite voyeuristic as well with the yes. way that we are 
it's like yeah the door frames are like we're intruding yes uh which i suppose we are He's sort of, the musician sort of asks who she is, if you like, mm-hmm. and someone introduces her as the Queen of Diamonds, Hearts and Spades, which is quite nice because it made me wonder why not clubs and what's oh, wrong with clubs. Oh, it's a racist joke, isn't it? Because he's black. Is it? He's a spade. Oh, is that what they're called? Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm just not racist enough, <laughs> turns out, to get that one. But yes, I, I assume, well, I assume that the reason it's spades rather than clubs is as a reference to his colour. Right. But... It's also card games, right? Games, yeah. playing, yeah, which is another very important thing that's coming along. The um, view through her specs is very, very nostalgic, and she puts her glasses on various people throughout the film, or various people touch these glasses, this viewpoint. Consistently, it makes her wrinkles disappear. <laughs> and again, it's what I mean about this drug haze, this like um, walking through the poppy field in Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz or Return to Oz, I can't remember. I think it's Return to Oz. There's a scene where our band of travellers walk through a poppy field. They're given directions, and obviously the directions are to lead them to this place. And they are walking and walking, and then they're suddenly sort of feeling like they're walking on air, and then they all fall asleep because poppies are... Because they're walking through a poppy field, and yeah. opiate, opiate. Opiate. It is an opiate. It, yes. Yeah, it's... Yeah, opium um, comes from poppies, ultimately, right? I couldn't yeah. tell you the... Um, the steps, and even if I could, we probably shouldn't broadcast them. <laughs> um, not, any, not anymore, really. It's very rare now. Right. It used to be that wild poppies and California poppies would just do it, mm-hmm. or something similar. Certainly you could just grab a head of one, and I do know how to do that, but they're kind of bred out of existence, and mm. pe- pesticides and all the rest of it, and, and the man, um, the, man the, the law, mean that there are fewer and fewer natural opiate resources. But opium in the air basically and they fall asleep and get caught by the witch right yeah so it's a really similar vibe of yeah. this like dream like there's also a painting a pre-raphaelite painting of a woman asleep in a field of poppies that's the same idea mm-hmm. it's this i mean that's i think it's actually a mythological reference that painting but it's you know hypnos or something but still it's it's all about having your perspective altered in order to get something out of you yeah of course because well Yes, we leave London behind in very short order. Mm, I didn't really understand the lack of magic in the title sequence. I assume it's to show that like life exists outside of this weird place we're about to go to. Like yeah. we're in the modern time. Yeah, I, th- I think it is just a situating shot because, yes, exactly, we're in the modern time. And it means that we don't spend all of the time, either in her strange bubble or with the vicar and his daughter. It gives yeah. us just a, just a little brief shot of the metropolis. It also shows people coming and going a little Freely. bit. Freely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we, we pick up the saxophonist, mm-hmm. and then while we are loading into the cars, there's a young man moping. I. It's very, very hard to get the names of any of these characters, this, the, all the, of all the young folk. Yes. Uh, but I th- I think he might be Alan. But okay. It's just based on his hierarchy in the credit list, if that makes sense. Ah, okay. But there's a young man there who's um, sulking and wants Eva more Gardner. attention from Mickey. Yes, yeah. Mickey, Eva Gardner. Oh, I've answered my own question. That's nice. Oh, that's good. So I took it as. But, right. We only have a 
narrator once in the yeah. whole <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this guy turns up. I actually assumed it was the director for some reason, but it might not be. It was a Scottish voice. Yeah, I guess he's not a uh, Canadian, I believe, so it's not a Scottish... Oh, really? Uh, I think Roddy McDowell's Canadian, yeah. He does a really good English accent in Fright Night, then. I'll double-check that, actually, because that's always worth uh, finding out. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Huh. Yes, so we go straight from looking at all this traffic, deep joy, to a shot of Hadrian's Wall, which I was quite surprised I recognised immediately because it is kind of nearly in darkness. And it's like stepping into a portal. We're told about that we're going to be encountering the Queen of the Fairies and that she's a dangerous lady. And we're sort of into this, yeah, this portal, into old countryside, into old Britain with this narrator that puts it into a storytelling perspective there are bears on the gates which is significant i've said significant <laughs> question mark but there are bears on the entrance to the to the big, big house. house that are almost guarding it you know they're stone bears and i love how obnoxious peacocks are like as soon as this girl that we're sort of semi-following we're following a girl holding a puppy yes and as soon as we sort of see her enter anywhere near the place there's the ridiculous noise that they make and then he's even in the shop this peacock being like hey yeah just after you said i love how obnoxious they are it suddenly started to well strut like a peacock and make noise and yeah. generally draw focus away from uh susan hampshire susan hampshire i think stephanie beach stephanie beecham thank you uh, uh off cory and dynasty ah, yes mm. she's been in all sorts with joan collins no, yes, the they're one. both in, in Dynasty. I oh, think. okay, they are. Yes. Okay, but they've been in a couple of things together, I think. But yes, uh, Corrie in Dynasty, it's Stephanie Beecham, and I hate every single thing she wears throughout the entire film. <laughs> I despise it. There isn't one redeeming outfit for her. It's deliberate. Yeah, I mean, there's a contrast is, is there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and she's carrying a puppy looking distressed and being bothered by a peacock. And I also think it's interesting that we get entirely fairy angle shots of her we shoot from beneath her we're looking at her through tree lines we're looking at her through any way except just like a straight on shot until yeah. she talks to people yes yes that's fair yeah she's a child of nature right she's an innocent she's untouched by the, she doesn't come from the big city listen like i'm doing people. a face <laughs> Roddy McDowell was born in England, but moved to America as a young man and ah. spent his life there and was a naturalised American citizen by the late 40s. Oh. So that's why he's able to do a good English yeah, he's accent. A, he's a John Barrowman, easy switch. Indeed. Mm. But, I, but I don't think that that is him doing the voice, warning about the Queen of the Fairies. I don't know what that is doing there, really, because... I assume it was through the whole thing and it got taken got out. Got cut out. It does have that feel, doesn't mm. it? Or I did, I did play with the idea that it was to let the singers take over. Oh, yes. So we got used to a narrator yes. for a second and then we were listening to what the what Listening the to the words on the soundtrack, mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does stick out because it's, it's not a character. It's not somebody that we ever meet. It's just a few no. lines of it. And no, nothing that he imparts is really sort of drastically, dramatically necessary. No. We know that it's... We've, we've seen the title card that says The Ballad of Tamlin. And <laughs> if you're familiar with The Ballad, you'll, it, this, that will help you. And if you're not, what he says isn't really going to tell you very much anyway. No, exactly. Exactly. I wonder if it's Elroy, then. 
And oh. I've imagined the Scottish accent. He does, no, he definitely has a Scottish brew. Oh, he does, okay. Because also he's accompanied by the sort of Braveheart Ellen Pipes, you know. Yeah, that's what I thought, <laughs> but there you go. Anyway, yeah. moving swiftly. Puppy, yes, puppy. he's turned up with a puppy and we get a slow-mo game of frisbee on the lawn in front of the we house. We do, we've all got turtlenecks, except, of course, a very young, surreal and baby Joanna Lumley, who's at just heaven. I know. <laughs> I know. This is where there's tarot time. Tarot girl. Yes. My time to shine, everybody. So we pull the lovers for somebody, and it says, overcoming an ordeal of some kind. That, my friends, is false. <laughs> <laughs> the lovers there is an interesting choice because, in fact, I used the word choice and I shouldn't have. It's an interesting card to pick from a storytelling perspective. Because on the one hand, fine, the very basic meaning of the lovers is the one that people assume it is, and that is people are going to be banging, right? Yeah, we're foreshadowing that Janet has just appeared. Yes. And she has the potential to be a lover. And done some eye contact with And then in the card, it's Adam and Eve and an angel above them looking down. Essentially, that's what it looks like. Looking down on them and lighting a fire under Adam's bum. And Eve is just kind of staring at him. So yes, from a physical perspective and from a very literal perspective yes however here's where being a professional tarot reader comes in because the lovers used to be called the choice and in the Marseille deck sometimes it still appears as the choice and the choice is between is this one guy in the middle and he's supposed to be choosing between an old maid and a sexy younger model so they've actually played the entire (laughs) card out yeah beautifully and she's there going things are gonna happen to you no (laughs) come on you can do better than that you literally could have done that beautiful thing that i really appreciate in films where they do the whole plot and then you watch the plot play out Uh, i love that if they do it in easter eggs and and little hints and tips and so far we've had bears on the gates Mm -hmm. bears blocking the entrance if you like and then the lover's card I've had my rant. <laughs> it's nice to it's nice to see though, isn't it? Always nice to see a bit of tarot. Yeah. Um, but yes, she's here with the dog to sell to Susie, who is quote dim as a little silky bucket. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if we could talk about how she's definitely mentally ill. Of course we can. Can we? Yeah. Mentally disturbed Barbie is cute as heck, but basically a sex doll. <laughs> no. She's. Very young mentally. Yes. I mean, I think she's she does a joke at some point, so she's sort of self-aware. Well, she also manages to keep a secret, so we know she's not depicting autism or something realistic. Mm-hmm. She might just be dappy. Yes. You know, however... But if she is, she's very dappy. She's space cadet like, in the truest form. I've yeah. been at parties with these people, yeah. and I have kicked these people out of my house, actually. You know who you are, <laughs> if you're listening, for the endless and relentless screeching. But yes, they are always the highest pitch creature in the room and I would actually trust her to take care of her puppy, you know, <laughs> rather than herself. I would. But obviously Janet's powers of deduction <laughs> kick in and she's like, I'm not giving a dog to that. No. <laughs> but also, you know, this is like the sort of dappy space cadet drug user perhaps is a world away from the vicarage yeah i suppose it's another reason why they come in from the big city at one point later on she says we've been wondering about you since you bought this house last year yeah but yeah she's cleverly realized that this is not 
Well, I say cleverly. She's she's had the realization. She's had the thought that she wouldn't sell her dog to Susie. But then out comes Mickey, who takes her to one side. In an incredibly gorgeous salmon dress. I want to. I mean, the costumes in this are just next level, and I could go on for hours, and I won't. But I'll talk about them. So, um, Beatrice Dawson is one of the costume designers. She worked on Brief Encounter with Sophia Loren. I mean, again, she's worked with some of the biggest... Mm. I was going to say the biggest boobs. What's wrong with me? Some, some of, the, of biggest the biggest boobs, boobs in Hollywood. In Hollywood. <laughs> um, and Pierre Balmain, Balmain, who worked on Paris Holiday and oh. some things I hadn't really seen. Do you know him? I think so. In um, Is it the same Balmain in Where Do You Go To My Lovely, the song by Peter Sarstedt? One of the things is um, your clothes are all made by Balmain is one of the lines in that, oh. which is like considered to be one of the many reasons why this woman is very sophisticated. Well, I assume so, yes, because he's a French fashion designer. Oh, there you go. Founder of leading post-war fashion house Balmain. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yes. Big, it, big, big, big. Wow. Big. Okay, that makes sense. Doesn't it? Yes. So, he's he's a big name to get involved as well on such a small thing that's got 18% on Rotten Tomatoes in that's, case. That's unjust, It's incredibly it? unfair, and I feel like it's a bunch of people that don't know how to watch films. But here we are to help you! <laughs> oh yes, good point, point out at this point. I know we've said before, and it'll be in the literature, but if you've got this far and you haven't seen it, you think, gosh, this is not on any of the streaming sites. It is on YouTube. It's on YouTube for freezies! Pause, go and find it, and come back to us. So yes, she floats on on down looking wonderful looking like a temptress looking like she does that look to everybody that you do when you're having a really good day and you know that everybody wants to have sex with you like the ovulating face she does a beautiful (laughs) ovulating face and yeah she comes on down she takes janet boring janet to one side makes her an offer she absolutely can't refuse i've put here ava gardner could buy a puppy from me any day (laughs) Richard Wattis. Yes. What an interesting bean. British character actor turns up in a lot of things, usually in a role like this. Like, I don't know of anything that he's a starring role in. Oh, interesting. But he seems to specialise in these little, usually not quite this camp, but a lot of the time he's the sort of man from the ministry. Yes. Or he's in the Hammer Abominable Snowman as Foxy, (laughs) Peter Cushing's sort of right-hand man for his expedition. Yes. Uh, long career. Yeah, turns up in lots of British films over a very long period. He was and in a 1974 adaptation of Aladdin, oh. which is cute. <laughs> I can't um, imagine him as Jafar. <laughs> something terrible with something called Take Me High that looks like it has Cliff Richard in it. Wow. But that's exactly the sort of thing that he yes. turns up in as, yeah, a, a minister, either a, either a government minister or a Man of the cloth. Yeah. A, a functionary of some kind. So here he's a confidential private secretary. Yeah, I think he does wonderfully here. Yes, same. But he takes uh, young Janet aside because Ava Gardner, I need to call Mickey. Yeah. Says, asks her to name her price. So she very confidently says £50, believing Would that to be a ridiculous yeah. amount to pay for a, for a puppy, which it probably was in 1960. And she embarrasses herself. Yes. You know, she she looks ashamed of doing it. And Elroy takes um, this idiot girl to one side and says, like, she could have made you interesting. <laughs> you chose to be a silly little girl. Silly little girl. 
And she takes the cheque and disappears, looking a bit disgruntled. But Yeah, she's got a look on her face as well, as if she's fairly sure that she's made a blunder of some kind. Yeah, she but does. doesn't quite know, you know, doesn't quite understand how she ended up yeah. like this. And I suppose this is picked up in her conversation with her father. Mm, I mean, just before you move to that, I was going to mm. say I put Elroy as a very puck character. I feel like he's the only one that truly knows what's going on at any given time. He really does have an eye everywhere. He always seems to appear. He is the strangely supernatural element and he makes Mickey appear to be supernatural. Yeah. He gives her that power by appearing everywhere on her behalf, basically. Yeah. Being her eyes. He really is very raveny as well. He's got oh, a real yes. raven, like, you know. Yes, very you know, nice. Like, Do you want some flesh? And he's like, yes, flesh. <laughs> flesh. He's yeah. her familiar. I suppose. Yes, definitely. Uh, yes. I did also put that in that conversation, you know, we see the very cute but kind of 60s dowdy dated vicar house that Janet lives in with her dad, who is a vicar. He's sort of... <laughs> Janet is clearly just beginning a sexual awakening, like from the minute she makes contact with Mickey and those people. And dad is not happy about it. He detects immediately... And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. <laughs> yes, he's one of the... There are a few different sort of stock types of vicars, aren't yes. there? Yes. And he's not the kind who's completely oblivious to everything going on around him. No. Nope. He's just the sort of kind and gentle and sweet, fairly ineffectual, but not malign. Well, I also think he's the the dead wife vicar, yeah. actually. Yeah. Where it's like, we are still stuck with the flock. We have a kid we can't really relate to. Yes. You notice as well how she She's does all the of mom. the work for in the house for him and he yeah. just sort of floats around writing his son. Well, I put his daughter as his wife and then a, a, I drew a, like a grossed out face. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Right. Here we go. £50 in January 1970. Yeah. Just to take a sort of rough date. Is £834. According to the inflation calculator on hl.co.uk, yes. So she's just obviously named a large sum of cash. Because she didn't want to sell the dog rather than testing the price she could get. Yes, you know, she'd never expected anyone to say yes to it, but of course, what she doesn't know, but we know, because I think we've already been told. Ava Gardner is immensely rich. She's immensely rich. You know, she says later on, I have money everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> but she's not drunk when she says it like that, Sam. <laughs> and yes, it's one of the things that's like, oh, it turns out that you have a price and that price is £50. But yeah, when she's talking to her vicar dad, mm. she says that Mickey is glamorous and like a goddess. And when yeah. she was talking to her, she just felt fine, but didn't understand why. Didn't know why when she came away, she didn't understand how it all happened. Yeah. And uh, to me, this is playing on the two senses of like glamour and glamorous and being a goddess because okay. Ava Gardner is a glamorous lady right yeah. and is a, is a like as I say a bona fide Hollywood royalty goddess right mm-hmm. but also it's glamour in the sense of an illusion a, an illusion a witch's glamour yeah and the idea that she works some kind of magic on those around her yes the next scene we have a absolutely next level incredible rainbow dress anyone wants to make me that i mean i'll look like mama cass in it but i'll i'll really rock it like, oh yeah it, it'll be great the costumes as i say are next level i've written that several times to so enjoy that and there's some subtle lesbianism hints with uh, joanna lumley in a hedge 
feels like she sort of comes goes in with her and comes out away from her what i really liked about this though because i do feel like there's this idea of like particularly in this time period this fear of like people are having orgies people are doing this people are doing drugs you know there's a contextual element there that they've really encapsulated and this whole film feels like something that my dad would have described as his experience of the 60s and 70s raging hippie right in the middle of all this stuff really young at the right time for this stuff and some of them where you're just like how did you end up in these situations and it's like oh you know he it can go from i don't know something about somebody's cousin twice removed or like queen of the fairies and i wouldn't really blink yeah (laughs) you know it would just be like yeah that's another part of the story but what i really liked about this scene is she wanders away looking very uncaring (laughs) which will come back later Mm. mickey wanders away and she's floating through the garden but then the camera moves in such a beautiful way because she's walking through giant gunnera you know those kind of prehistoric looking leaves oh i didn't know what they were yes but yes big gunnera boys and it plays with the scale because they the camera line goes down to below the gunnera to make the gunnera look like trees or much bigger than they are mm-hmm. and to, to see her tiny because she's the queen of the fairies right we've already been told yeah. so it immediately does that imagery and it looks like a victorian painting for like half a second and then they carry on with the rest of the film but it was a really nice touch there's a few of those and as I say considering it's his first and only directorial yeah. piece i don't know why he didn't make any more other than this was a failure and you know perhaps there was no appetite to employ him again to do that and he was very busy as an actor yeah for all of this time but for somebody who'd never done it before, I know that he was an actor, so he'd been on set with... So he must have had his eyes open and been paying attention to what people but were doing. But he's also directing Ava Gardner. I know. Like, it must have just been such a mind fuzz, you know, to be like, goodness, how is this happening to me? Yeah. And she's still so beautiful. Oh, I mean, to magnetic. be fair... I mean, it's a fantastic performance from her. To be fair, it was like looking at the sun to look at her when she was young. And then she maintained like even an eighth of that. You know, she maintained more than an eighth. But if she maintained an eighth of that, we would have struggled. Yes. You know, so incredibly pretty. One so we see poor Alan, if that is his real name. Yes. Having a Citation meltdown. needed, but yes. we'll go with that. And she's saying there are some really amazing quotes here. So one comes, another goes, that's the economy of life. Which feels like a quote, mm-hmm. but is also like his heartbroken crying is genuinely painful. I've heard those cries from men before in the nicest way, and it's really convincing. It's, I don't know, it's really horrible. Like it really is like a plea. Yeah. He's really pleading with it. I can't. I don't know what to do without you. I can't live without you. And she's like, "Well, if you're too wet to live, you can die." Yeah. Like there's this real comforting. Like don't worry, we could kill you. Yeah. Well, you can live. <laughs> And if living is if living like living is option one, yeah. you can live. We'll take you to the station. But if that's too difficult, yeah, and you can die. It's all one to me. But then, as soon as she's bored with comforting him, she's already after Tom. Yes, and her obsession with Tom, I find really distressing. Genuinely, it's yeah. there's something really. It's the devil card from tarot. It's the not letting you go. Yeah. Well, this is uh, what I mean when I said that there's some strong emotions at play here because you said that she doesn't love him. Yeah. And I think you. I agree with you. Yeah. But, but she it's, just wants. But to yeah, have she, him. she wants him. She she loves something. She it's about power, 
and it's about she loves being feared ex- yes that's um, very nice we'll, get we'll to pick it. up we'll on that later it. absolutely relatable content um, <laughs> tom in the meantime is developing photographs in white light which is not how you do it no not at all i was expecting that girl that comes looking for him to walk in and ruin the photos ruin the pictures, but yeah. and they are of janet as well mm-hmm. the photos there of janet and the puppy he says to her are you being a good little girl good little girl being as good as you can yeah well, there's a few points all the way through the film where the the young people gathered in the house. They're known as the coven uh, in the, the credits, by the way. Yeah, it's there's nice, coven isn't one it? And coven coven two. two. But they're referred to as the children uh, on Whoa, screen uh, all the way through. And and when we see them playing games, at first I thought that, you know, one of my notes, slow mo game of frisbee doing heavy lifting to suggest hedonistic commune. Yeah. But, but actually, we just see them playing games all the time. They're they're constantly because playing games because they are children or they're infantilized in, oh, I see. in the world that they're in in a lot of ways uh, I think. you see I put them I read that differently mm-hmm. I read it as they are hedonistic and languishing to the point of disgusting yeah I can see that Whether as well. it's meant to be like the Greek the paintings in Victorian times of the ancient Greeks where like they're just flipping covered in in grapes and flowers yes and everything you're like no, geez oh definitely yeah. <laughs> an element of that yeah. yeah 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 which i think again is real 70s ideology very early 70s but still it's really in there that like personal utopia we can do what we want man yeah stuff that's and, and it's i'm saying it like i'm taking the mick but actually there was potential for that to be continuous and po- politics got in the way but literally mm-hmm. in the moment in that 69 period yeah you just thought that was it, endless summer. Well, I was going to say this is the this is exactly the time when that soured, isn't it? This is filmed in nineteen sixty nine and not released until the end of nineteen seventy, beginning of nineteen seventy one. Yeah, depending on. I think it was released in Britain December nineteen seventy. Right. And then you know so, and in that time, mm. it does feel like something ended between conception and premiere. Yeah, um, that's a shame. Yeah. Tom can't comprehend... Yes, I actually quite like this point. Mickey really tries to hit home to Tom a couple of points. And it's really weird because, I will put it this way, having been in entanglements with people slightly younger than me, slightly romantic entanglements, there's this real sense of, like, buddy, you don't know what's coming. And Tom can't hear her at all. Tom can't hear her fears about ageing, her fears about loneliness, because he's young. He has Mm. no access to that information. So no matter how much she's like, hey, I need attention because I'm damn old. (laughs) And you're not, and you're making me feel older just by existing. And he's like, what are you on about? You know, I I can't feed that. I can't agree with you or disagree. It's just bouncing off him. And it's really beautifully put together, I think, to communicate that. Yeah. One of my notes on this scene is how old is Mickey? Like how old how old is yeah. she supposed to be? Because it's never made clear. But there's certainly something about the way it's played and the way she's done. It's like if you'd said, "Oh well, she's a hundred and sixty years old." <laughs> I, <laughs> she's, I she's never quite coded that explicitly supernatural. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters because it's attitudinal. Sure. She is categorising herself as old. She has surrounded herself with young people in this kind of 
fountain of youth vampiric way mm. where it's a bit like if the young play around me it might rub off it has that sense to it but also she likes beautiful things she likes yeah. to just have beautiful things and beautiful people around her and the youth that are gathering although that's a tough paper round for a lot of them they're supposed to be between 18 and 21 yeah aren't they with um, the possible exception of the two men um, oh no, he's about Ian McShane is about twenty twenty one in it. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be. The other boy is at college, which isn't much older. Oh, right. You know, because yeah, yeah. she said, yeah. "Oh, because you're a college boy." College boy. But sadly, the one that looks like a Vulcan prime minister <laughs> is played by a thirty five year old. Yes. And it really throws. I think it's the thing that throws the concept off. Yeah, it's weirdly. a shame. Whoever he is, Oliver, I think that might be his name. But later on, he says, the only stayers here are Tom and I. All right, and Tom, there's no hierarchy. And then later on, when the second coven have arrived, I'm jumping ahead. She says to Mickey says to him, you've outlasted everybody else yes. here. So I don't know how long he's supposed to have been there. But he's certainly not supposed to be as old as he sometimes looks. <laughs> no. Oh, and I put, yes, yeah, so when I put about the Janet being her dad's wife, I put bad parents in horror again. <laughs> But he's really he really strives to not be a bad parent. I just don't think he knows how to connect with her genuinely. Yeah. He even is he notices there's things wrong, which is the first time a parent has uh, yeah. in any of our film choices. No, he, I mean yeah, by the standards of the things we've been looking at, he's not a bad parent. No. But <laughs> But could have done with a little bit of better parenting. Maybe being a parent would have been nice yeah. in that situation rather than letting himself be parented. But grief's a terrible thing, so we'll leave that one alone. She's a virgin walking in the fields. Mickey is in a leather waistcoat. Oh, and I've missed out. Mickey's in a leather waistcoat the day after the night before. And during the night before, she's got Tom so drunk during those chats about ageing that he is just a mess. He's a mess naked on the floor. He's leaning against the wall, uh, naked and waving a bottle and shouting at her. When you're old, I will be in the prime of my life. And then she just face plants into her. Yeah, and then she just has the best hair I've ever seen on a human and laughs at him. Yeah. But she's up and about in the morning right as rain. Okay, so yeah, next morning, absolutely not. She's totally fine. She's totally fine, and he's an absolute mess, clutching a bottle of champagne, hair of the dog, in her sunshades, looking sorry for himself. And everybody takes the mick in a kind of jealous and horrible way. Yes, yeah. And I've put here, there you go, so languishing. We then have a little bit of Pentangle. Indeed. That's our singers. Please go and look at them, they're lovely. And they are narrating what's happening through the medium of song. And then Tom's gone for a hangover walk. Janet's gone for a Beauty and the Beast style in this poor provincial town walk. And (laughs) nature seems to be bringing them together, right? Yes. Nature really, it feels like it. They're being drawn to each other. Well, I did wonder how much of what drew Janet there was a desire to see Tom again. Yes, I suppose. You know, it's a question. I'm not saying that that's why... Mm. That's entirely why she went. But she knows he's there. Mm-hmm. And then she's going off to walk around the grounds. Now, they may be connected, they may be not. I then put, God, he's gorgeous. But the only thing I don't like about the whole film are these ridiculous freeze frames. Can't stand them. They no, it doesn't really work, does it? They feel film school and bad. They're not of things that need freeze framing. No. 
Uh, it's almost like they damaged a bit of the film and they were like, we can still put this together. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? Well, I wondered if, because we were watching on YouTube, I was, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, have we frozen up? Yeah, is the know, connection bad? Have we lost it? But no, obviously, as it goes on, it is. you can tell it's intentional, but it, it, it really doesn't work. It's a shame. Yeah, I can see what they were trying to do and it but it just it's it's a it's a it's a noble failure yeah yeah it's a shame i suppose this is where it comes in the fact that he hadn't directed a film before true there's a nice quote from tom where he says uh you wouldn't last a week in mickey's dreams oh yes that i really like they're being watched from the trees by the fairies again or by a fairy yeah (laughs) Yes, um, uh, yeah, Richard Wattis is a malign presence in the bushes. He is just everywhere in a very supernatural sort of way, isn't he? He, he is, and by up. the time Tom gets home, clearly his queen already knows. Mm. Uh, she kisses him, saying this is a terribly secret place, isn't it? She is chiding him like a child that's been caught out, and she kisses him, probably not like a child that's been caught out, and says, I can still taste her on you. She tastes like watered milk. I've written that down. That's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, horrible. But, Makes me feel sick. But it's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah, because it's, it's a very secret place. And she says, tell me a secret, which is obviously she is giving him a chance to confess yeah. his sins. Little lies scuttling about in there like beetles. <laughs> yes. I have a question. Mm. Who cleans the house? It's none of them, is it? No. No. <laughs> Not even Elroy. No. No. Magic. Mag- yes. I can't see... I can't see Joanna Lumley doing it. I can't see... You'd like to, though, Is it Vanna? <laughs> I can't see... The, I think Vanna is the tarot girl. I can't mm. see her. I can't see her doing it. No one's together enough to do it, but the house is no. always spotless. Yeah. It's interesting. Here's a thing for you. I love this scene. This next one is my favourite, I think, in the whole film, weirdly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fortune-telling bit. Yes. The girl who's so resistant to read fortunes is really well done. She's a very good actress. I don't actually know who she is. Do you know who she is? No. Do you know what her character's called? I think it's Vanna. I think she's Vanna. Oh, she's Vanna again. I think it's... Is it not the same girl who does the tarot... Who does the fortune... Well, I don't know, but I'll have a look. The fortune-telling scene is preceded by a little swinging party scene, which are a staple of films of this vintage. But this one's not badly done. I have been to parties that are a little bit like that. Usually it's embarrassing of sort of a few people in their mid-thirties sort of frantically frogging on a rug to some music that isn't really there. Ugh. I know, horrid. But this one it feels sort of reasonably spontaneous and half decent. Victoria Fairbrother, who is is Vanna. Is it her? Who knows? I think so, but I don't know how to check that. She's in things like Cry of the Banshee, Icebound in the Antarctic, Sweet William, and Blake Seven, as oh. someone called Major Thania. Oh, I should be able you to should. place that. Major Thania. She's a really good actress. I really enjoy her performance in this because she goes from being kind of cajoled into fortune telling for these mega stoners (laughs) who are doing that thing that people do in groups where they all pressure, they all pressure and it's all part of the fun and it's all okay, but she's still not consenting. And it sort of harkens back to like when they used to force a girl to be Oracle in nastier times. Oh, 
Okay. So there's this idea of... It's actually... It features in um, 300, the strange fortune-telling scenes in that. Do you remember? I haven't seen 300. Sort of perverse men doing terrible things to teenage girls in order to... And calling them volunteers, but they're actually just girls that have been taken from their families. So right. it's a bit of a tenuous link. You might want to cut it. But there's something in, in what you're saying about the the group the yes. mentality and the pressure peer pressure but more than that something about the the group forces yeah and it's a romney thing to um or partly a romney thing to feel objects and feel a future or a fortune with them which is interesting mm-hmm. she feels somebody's little object and she's like i know whose that is i can't read if i know mm-hmm. i can't i can't do it if i know and she's laughing she's kind of relaxed a bit then she says, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> and they say, look, here's another one. They give them something from our man who's actually a raven. <laughs> Oliver. Oliver. And she says, um, very driven, very rich, lots of money. In your future. In your yes. future. Very strong. And he's like, mm, gets a <laughs> gets a pop on for, for very strong. And then she says something about driving in the dark and it just slightly takes a turn. And she's like, I don't know, probably lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's fine. I don't want to go into that. But then they give her those terrible glasses, the sunglasses that belong to Mickey. Yeah. But also Tam is, or Tom is wearing. Yep. And she absolutely freaks out. It's so amazingly done where she's like, and she's like crying, going, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do this. Who did these belong to? She's just like shouting it at people. And she properly loses it. And it's interesting watching her go from like the fun kind of, guys, I don't really want to, to like, I don't want the dress. Yeah, why? 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 Who gave me this? What is this? Please take it away. I don't like it. Uh, So, you know, my note is these sunglasses are really very evil, it turns out. And it really is like, yeah, like she's been handed something properly cursed. Yeah. And I said it's all the. They, I said these this lot are properly the worst. They are all the worst kind of hippies to have at a house party. So yes, <laughs> and I love hippies, but there's definitely a type. And then we get some sexy hill lounging because Tom's got curious about church the next day, and he sort of he comes into the church sermon. Yeah, lurks a bit, comes into the church sermon, Great. trying to get uh, pops over the wall as well to the church, really nice, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, has some nice eye contact shots and things it's quite sweet yeah and the sermon that's happening we must love one another and die is quite nice yeah well again foreshadowing and but also like i was saying earlier about the what it means to love and what it is to be in love and yeah the work of love and the love that the vicar is talking about is not the the type of love that mickey talks about no and it links in to tom's doubt i suppose not quite the right word but tom's skepticism of yes of of the relationship he has with mickey then there's that i really like the eye contact that they do that tom and janet do to each other even though there's that terrifying child present through a lot of it yeah just a well it's again another bit of foreshadowing isn't it because oh, uh, yeah. she's should be pregnant at this point oh dear yes lovely eye contact shots the little girl is creepy, but then gets intolerably cute. Like, how how is she so adorable? Intolerably face, cute. You want a picnic? Yeah. 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 I mean. Yeah, her whole face changes when she smiles. She's really standing there funny. like. Sullen. Like a portent, and then suddenly. <laughs> like a portent. 
And then when she's then suddenly she's offered some uh, scotch eggs or something, and she's yeah. suddenly delighted. Something I noticed here: Mickey appears to be sick when she's not adored. Oh, that's Again, nice. Relatable, but it's very Queen Mab, right? <laughs> yeah, well, um, the yes. stuff about being ignored and disappearing. Uh, mm-hmm. In the film Merlin. Yes. Um, Sam Neill as Merlin. We should cover that at some point, really. I mean, any time you like. <laughs> and it's interesting that she does get weaker. She seems to get weaker when he's not around or when she's not getting what she wants. Mm-hmm. She's obsessed with him. She keeps saying Tom's name over and over and it's getting really dark somehow. Every time. And he's only been away for a few hours, presumably. He went yeah. to the church service in the morning. He gets invited to lunch immediately thereafter. Yep. Rebuffing the car full of Coven members. Yeah. And then they, they have a lovely picnic, as far as we're aware, and then he comes back. So it's, what, late afternoon? It's not as if he's gone missing for days upon end. No, and Oliver's, Oliver's a prick. And he yeah. suggests, let's play, she was only a vicar's daughter. Yes, a beautiful tableau vivant. <laughs> yeah, what a weird man. Tom is proper hot when he's angry. Like, yeah. yeah. No, he's a he's a gorgeous uh, figure. Yes. Disconcertingly so for yeah. for somebody like me. <laughs> but this yes. is another band name I've got here. Go on. Torpid Collection. Oh, that's very good. That's great. Yes. You Torpid Collection, and she tells Tom to wipe his nose after they've been fisticuffs. Yeah. Uh, this is Mickey telling them going in as adult suddenly. This is where Oliver says the only stays here are Tom and I, or yeah. I and Tom. There is no precedence, which suggests that they've been around for a little bit longer yes. than than the others, which is what I was sort of picked up on earlier. Elroy appears like a ghost, and again, doorways, right, secrets. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he kind of grabs him like a Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> like, come in with me! <laughs> I really enjoy the insult, you rancid old queen. Rancid old queen. Just out yes. of nowhere. But he, Elroy calls himself... Mickey's personal secretary and accountant for 16 years. Mm. And the first thing that happened was that song, I'm an accountant, came into my head. <laughs> but like, where do you work? In a place where accountants work. Oh, yeah. Like, this is not accountancy. <laughs> this is holding people accountable for their actions against Mickey. Absolutely. Which is not the same as keeping the money right. <laughs> yes. No, I <laughs> don't know if I wrote it down. But yes, he says, yes, I keep all the accounts. Yes. Which, yes, definitely... Is what he means by accountant. Yes. She's got more money than God. She doesn't need him to do the bean <laughs> counting. The, it's the other stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a really nice scene. This is what, probably my favourite scene. Okay. In the in the film, I think because Elroy is the most interesting character for me. I don't know if he's my favourite, but yeah. And it's a warning. It's a warning to young Tom, but it's also a demonstration of his power, his security. Yeah. You know, he is, he's been there for 16, a, person, a confidential personal private secretary for 16 years. He's safe. Talking to Tom, he's talking about like all the other, all the other children that I've yep. seen come in and I've bought suits for them and then they've gone away with the suits on their backs. Calling like, them children makes nothing them worse. Nothing more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's putting him in his place. He's just one in a, a long line. Yeah. I've put a note in here to ask you if this house is my future minus the death. Like, minus killing and strange games. Is it just that I need to be surrounded by a bunch of children, (laughs) in inverted commas, who are all beautiful and have rooms that are just full of clothes? And Does that sound like something that you'd be interested in, my darling? Or we shall make it so. Okay. 
Are you going to be the accountant? Well, yes, confidential private secretary. Lovely. Um, they're in Trek Air House. Well, they're in they're in uh, Pinewood Studios, but the ex- <laughs> the exterior shots, which I don't think are married up badly. No, to the, not to at the all. Sets, not at are, all. Are in Trek Air just outside people's. Yeah. Uh, which, according to Wikipedia, is the uh, longest continuously occupied house in Scotland. They reckon. That's a cool fact. Which is nice, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Why does Why does Elroy keep a record? That's the question. Well, I wonder if it's partly insurance. Mm. He's got the receipts in the in all senses in the yeah. same way that he's an accountant. But of course, I, I wrote down the dates because I did some maths. The first he, took, he talks about these beautiful boys who've mysteriously died in car crashes. Yep. And the first one was in 1955, and then the second is in 1962. And we are filming. This wasn't released for a couple of years, but we're we're assuming that we're being made for a yeah. Release so we're year. seven year gap. So seven years, and after this scene. Yeah. Uh, Pentangle, Jackie McShee comes on the soundtrack again and gives <laughs> us the line from The Tally. Ballad, mm-hmm. which is, at the end of seven years, we pay a tithe to hell. Oh, I very nice. I am feared it be myself. And of course, this is the seventh year again. Very nice. That's really, really cool. Tom is still being a dum-dum and wandering around and, and posturing like a peacock, <laughs> going, uh, what's this to do with me? Yeah. And the response is, make an effort, dear, work it out for yourself. <laughs> yes. Such a such a cool, horrible guy. But the thing that's coming in here as well is, don't th- he says, just after that, he says, ah, yes, don't think was made to think, don't care yeah. was made to care, which is, yeah, what is happening from now on isn't it yeah it's so dark that he took the pictures as well I, yeah uh, and the who, relish the wonderful relish yeah Sorry. who would have known who would have thought a face could spread so wide it's, it's just disgusting, so horrifying isn't it? yes and silly but silly boy don't thrash about think <laughs> and so calling feel, him a silly yeah. boy again yeah. is very it's it's infantilizing it's putting him in his place it's an echo of when he calls janet a silly girl yeah. earlier he's outraged to be touched as well which mm. was an odd an odd addition, I thought. It makes sense, kind of. He's not to play with the children. Yes. He doesn't play with the children. So he's obviously banned for life. <laughs> and I imagine frightened of what would happen if Mickey finds out he got touched by one of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's... Yeah, exactly. He's apart from them. Yes. They're not in the same world. Just coming out of that, we have the song, but we have a discordant score happening at the same time as the song yeah so it puts all of it slightly out of key and it's really nice really creepy tom then walks in on mickey in a mask uh peacock mask again and i said is this her true face um there's a dagger in the handle because she's amazing Mm -hmm. but is her true face this monstrous peacocking horror show thing and she he's kind of walked in on her revealing it she doesn't love him it's so spooky. With real tears. Look, I love you with real yeah, tears. tears. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you fake? The writhing doesn't sell it well either. You know, mm-hmm. it's floor writhing. I don't know. Something odd going on. Yeah, and she really sort of pulls... It is like she's pulling out all the stops here. Yeah. She does the floor writhing. She does the tears. She does sexy and, crying. And then she points out that she's not only that she cries, but yeah. as you say, she points out the tears yeah and that's what i mean the writhing is very much like that scene from showgirl you know the <laughs> dolphin oh yeah business oh, you know blimey, yes. yeah vicar dad is nearly a good parent in the next scene he tries 
and then I think that's nice a nice little lovely. moment there it just humanizes him that little bit because he is very oblivious yes. to everything that's going on no what I mean is without these little touches he mm. would seem oblivious and and distracted and he is distracted but he would seem out of touch and yes. these little moments of care like this one here where it says whatever it is that's bothering you do you think you could tell me about I know. it it's, it's would, really tell him, sweet. would it help if you did tell me about it and she yeah. says no and then she says, well, at least let's not quarrel or something right yeah which is it's yeah before yeah. just before that though the echoing message from mickey's lips is I shall waste you and waste you and waste you oh, and yes. waste you. And it's really interesting because I think they're making out on the floor by that point, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But it is echoing his complaint from earlier that yeah. she's wasting You're his wasting life. You're wasting my life. Yeah. And then, uh, boom, out of nowhere, Janet wanted to see her dad leave because she was off to get an abortion. Yeah. Or ad- abortion advice. And it turns out it's actually in the Ballad of Tamlin as a theme and as a pro-choice song and given that what the song has been recorded to have been around from 1549 that's i'd say that's pretty at least 1549 that's pretty progressive i think that's a reference i think the 15 the 1549 print reference is a reference to like the the song rather than ah here is a new song you know it's reference it's the first time it turns up in print that someone talks about it meaning that it existed before then if that makes sense she goes to see Miss Gibson, who is kind of kind, <laughs> sort of. Well, she's not unkind. No, I know. It's just sort of, are you in trouble and do you need me to help you with it? Yeah. Probably take this out, but I was like, oh, yes, your mother nearly aborted you once. <laughs> I think that is an implication that runs underneath that anyway. I suppose, yeah. I mean, it turns out that she was her mother's astrologer. Yeah. Did her charts for her and nobody told her dad I thought at the time it was weird she didn't tell her dad, but she's he's a vicar. Yeah. So it makes sense he wouldn't tell her. She's very like, she really reminded me of the psychic from Blythe Spirit, but not kooky or fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, she also knows a man in Edinburgh, and as long as you have £100, which I dread to think how much that is in human now money. 1600 well, because exactly, 50 yeah. was 800 and something, so... It's a yes, lot of money, a lot, lot of moolah. Of then... I'm your gal. She does, and then I, I'm disappointed, <laughs> in a weird way, that we end that scene with, if you do this, you'll regret it, basically, is what... Yeah, she comes as close to saying that yeah. as you can without saying those words. And then she, says, I'm she... not in the business of telling people what they ought to do. Exactly. The hat scene, everybody. We're back to Mickey's gaff. She is distracting... Tom with a hat and she says if you're a hat man then I know that you are I've got a hat here that will fill you with remorse and chagrin mm-hmm. and um, it's a ridiculous large hat and she puts it on yep. and he reacts in a sort of whatever the appropriate he just kind of has a little brothel <laughs> yeah. and she's like basically we had some good times didn't we let's go and have one more let's be absolutely yeah. charming to each other yes but you can, um, you can have he wants to get away yep He's rented a caravan that she already knows about. Yeah. But yeah, but then what I was going to say was that immediately after getting this reaction from him, she sort of, the hat falls on the floor and is forgotten about for the rest of the scene. Yeah. Because it is just a, a frippery. Prop. It's a novelty. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a game. And then everything. this absolutely gut-wrenching club scene. <laughs> it's a lot. It freaked me out. It really did. 
Was your eye drawn as well to uh, with the alarming sort of cartoons on the walls of the club as well? No, I couldn't stop looking at her face. Like I felt like I wanted to step in between them and be like, I think you should go to him, mm-hmm. you know, because it's such a, it's so much communicated in nothing. You yeah, know? yeah. The two leads are not speaking. We get They're lots of cuts speaking. of their faces. He's refusing to make eye contact with it. He's not biting. She's trying to do the like seductive eyes over a cigarette business, and he's clearly not interested. You've got Selena Jones singing as the club singer in the background, doing a wonderful job, really beautiful. She's singing something quite interesting as well. She's basically singing about something ending, you know, something being over. Yeah, it's very on the nose. It's not what you want. If you are no. in her position, you know, no. you've got to think, I should have picked a different club. <laughs> yeah, and she looks sort of simultaneously deeply sad and so angry that I've called her a viper woman. Snakes again. More snake. Yes, Elroy is permanently watching, as ever. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the next day... Well, well, before we get to the next day, of course, we have... This is the first time she outright threatens slash promises to ah, kill yes. Tom. Because previously she said you can have your time away. Of course, if you need to think, you can go and sit in your caravan, sit in your caravan grotty little caravan, and, and think about whatever you'd like. But first, we have a night together, and then I'll let you go. Because he yep. just says, let me go, please let me go. And then here, at the end of the night in at the club, she says, I, I give you a week's truce. Yes. And then I will... I would kill you. I say it's. I've written threat, but it's also. It's just. It's just. A, it's just a promise. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, you will. You will die. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's important to sort of flag up here You're because right. yep. this is a real change. I mean, it's always. Goodness me, she's always had that capability. She's always had that inner eyes, and. Yeah. You can see it, but this is the first time she outright declares it to him like that. Elroy's been watching again. So when Janet comes calling, looking for Tom. Elroy lets her in and says, oh, just through here, and just sticks her in the snake pit. Yes. With, uh, <laughs> a very ill-looking, again, very sickly-looking, but still beautiful, Ava Gardner. And you get this really nice quote that, again, I feel like is just me. My moods may be changeable, but I always keep my word. I've written it down as well. Yeah, yeah. because it's absolutely my entire life. But also, there's this weird moment where they change to a black-and-white frame that I didn't really understand. So basically she says, no, uh, Tom left two days ago. I absolutely can't tell you where he is. But also just disdain, just pure disdain through the whole thing and not even bothering to do the glamour anymore. Just like, what do you want? I I hate this interaction. (laughs) Yeah, you can see it in Janet's face as well, that this is a surprise to her and a shock to her and she doesn't quite understand this is not the same person that she yes. met because when she, when they met on the terrace with the dog yeah mickey was presenting a very different face yes. to her then and janet even says she does the call back to that she says when i first met you you seemed so understanding you know please yes. and tells her that she's pregnant with tom's baby which gets a horrible laugh from mickey yep but obviously she is too old to be pregnant, I assume. One presumes, yes. She's having a lot of sex with a lot of young people. So <laughs> by now there would have been something. If she could, of course. She might just be a goddess. Yes. Or I guess, yeah, we're assuming that she's human. Yeah. But uh, yes, S- certainly it seems to affect her. As it would. Yes. Of course it would. Yes. And I've put, yikes, don't tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but 
Of course, we've just been reminded that she's only met this woman twice, and the first time she met her, she was very kind and understanding. Yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, sure, and this is that guy that Tom likes. <laughs> she wants to be frightening, and we didn't look at that when the scene happened, but she has this repeating motif, uh, Mickey does, of, are you frightened of me? Tell me you're frightened yes. of me and I'll leave you alone. If you tell me you'll fear me, I know you love me, and all this stuff. And the next scene you see in that moment is Janet saying something along the lines of, are you afraid of her? Are you frightened of her? Mm-hmm. And him going, she really will kill me. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. I love being alive. But yes, anyway, off they go. We have, we're watching Janet buy a two-headed rose, because mm-hmm. Pentangle told her to. Yeah, from a flower seller in Edinburgh, and it really is Edinburgh. We live there. If you're interested, don't know where you're listening from, but we live in Edinburgh and we recognised do. it. Yeah, um, that is true Edinburgh. That is where did you find? That is Five Alvis Street. Yes, I think this is original research. I don't think this is documented anywhere else. I oh. haven't found this anywhere on the internet. I found this by just looking, freeze-framing the film. And being the little man on Google Maps. And being the little man on Google Maps and going, well, that's the recognise these churches, so it's between there. And I ran down the street, and I think they're at number five, Alva Street. Very, very nice there you indeed. Go. That's uh, Newtown, isn't it? Yeah. Bridge. Oh, yes, and then... And because I put... <laughs> cause that's where the surgeon is. That's, that's where the is. man in Edinburgh that the wise woman knows. Yes, and she's looking sad and buys herself a flower to go to her abortion clinic yeah and then tom turns up in the very nick of time Mm -hmm. there's a very subtle moment where he looks at her a certain way and she just very in a very small way shakes her head and then they embrace which is really cute and he leads her away and she nearly falls down the stairs but i don't (laughs) think that was deliberate no (laughs) etc we're then in Fife for the dirty little caravan. Yes. We are looking at the Fife Bridge. I haven't been able to track that one down. No, but I do think we're looking at Queensbury. I think it's got that flat bit going out to the bay yeah. like that. And you can tell from the position of the bridges because you've got the rail bridge and the road bridge. Yeah, you're kind of between them. Between them, yes. Mm. So I know roughly where we are, but I wasn't. I didn't find that. <laughs> I then put, uh-oh, beakies about because... <laughs> Elroy is lurking in the trees again, again somehow. Yes. He has already followed them in the car for a little bit, but now mm-hmm. he's in the trees. We see a bit of a romance in the grotty little caravan. This is the first time because their courtship has been con- conducted through freeze frame and yeah. oblique reference. You know, after they part, after the freeze frame, he says something like, Why did you let me do it? Do, Yo, you re- yeah. do you regret it or something and then of course and then she's pregnant and we know how that works but we never <laughs> see them as far as I'm aware they hardly exchange two words and we, we never see them like together as a couple I don't no. mean that in a, in a voyeuristic purient way it's just that it feels like in the caravan he's out of Mickey's world grip. a little bit mm. out of the grip and so he's able to well, it's, Experience it's, it's a weirdly romantic and sad make-out session with pregnant Janet. Yeah. And Janet's kind of half saying no as well. It's very odd. It's I think it's, I assume it's like the, it looks very virginity-y for someone who's already pregnant. Yeah. And I guess if that was her first time having sex, this is only her second. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it makes sense, but it's still, it's all very tender and all the rest of it. It is not getting so drunk you can't stand <laughs> and then being ridden until you tell a woman not to anymore. No. So it's all new to him as well. So yes, you're dead right. There is a romance to it. It's just, it's it makes me feel quite unwell. Yeah. Well, also because she's come <laughs> with lots of questions about what they're going to say to her, her oh, clergyman her father. Back soon. Yeah. He's back soon. She's still 
still pregnant. She <laughs> obviously her plan was not to be yep. by the time he came back, but if that's not going to happen, then they've got questions to answer. Mm-hmm. And Ava Gardner, we kind of flick there for a minute. Mickey's there not blinking very often. <laughs> and then we flash back to the foggy hellscape of Fife, and it is such a different place. You know? Yes. And again, that's where I've said Beaky's about, and in brackets, at a place where accountants work. <laughs> He's making his accounts. A- accounts. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we're back with Mickey, right? Yep. And Mickey's dress is absolutely next level unbearably beautiful i'm very glad that you said something about this dress because otherwise i would have to and i realized that that's not my (laughs) thing but i couldn't let this one pass no she is covered in sequined glitter branches that also look a bit like veins uh it's a black and white number we've got a bit of a high collar it's very medieval and evil queen exactly yes the branches all over her look like she's wearing something made of tree as well it's very odd yeah i wondered if there might be jet in there or something i think so there's something it looked heavy yeah it looks difficult to move in but she manages it because she is a goddess on this earth i mean really (laughs) yeah and i think i mentioned it again a bit later that it's real it's full royalty and she's dressed Mm. to kill literally yeah she's she's just gone oh i know i've got the perfect death by faux justice outfit for this (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Really, it's, really gorgeous. It's been all change at the house, of course, in yes. Tom's she, absence. And with the non-blinking, she got angry and said, all of you go. Yeah. I, I don't want any of you here. All of you go back to London right now. Oliver doesn't go. No. But the rest of them are all replaced with their double, essentially, with a, with someone completely similar but not the same. Yes, more sort of young, beautiful people. But this lot seem a much darker collection. They're draped They're over much everything. They're less yeah. playful in the... Monopoly and card tableau vivant way. Well, she does say, find me your friends to Elroy. Get your friends. So maybe these are Elroy's pets rather than hers. There is definitely something about him, something sort of devilish. Yes. That, that yes. Mickey demands that Tom drink from this silver chalice. Yes, because he's been abducted by. Yes. And brought back. Abducted by Elroy while pregnant girlfriend is trying to get to the car. Yeah, she's just in the caravan and then. Yeah. yeah. Mickey has so much Dom energy. It's fully Dom. It's really like as you wish a Dom to be. And the things that she's saying as well are so dominatrixy that it reminded me of those smut novels that. (laughs) That I filled the house with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The smut novels that are all over our home. From the sort of 60s. The sudden fear and outrage when he mentions her death and ageing is amazing. Mm, Cancer game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my note here is that it's not that she's grown too old for him, it's that he has grown too old for her. Yes. In a a strange way. She wants him to be... Not a... I mean, not a child sexually, but she doesn't want him to... To have grow, thoughts and feelings. To, no, to think, she's you know, a dumb. Whereas, yes, whereas he is rebelling against that. And, yeah, it's interesting that, it, to me, I, I don't read it that he has gone off her. I don't read it that Tom has gone off Mickey because she's too old. Mm. He's gone off Mickey because she's too frivolous and nothing is real or matters. 
Do you see where I'm I do, from? but I don't think that's what happened. I think he just had his head turned by something more suited, more suitable. Something sure. that he didn't realise he wanted. Did, yeah, yeah. But part of that is that he's not in this cosseted, strange dream yeah. world. Yeah. Yes, he looks around the room. So he takes the drink, making full eye contact, looking disturbed. He takes the drink and follows her eventually (laughs) he doesn't know any of the people around him she just replaced them all as i say yeah she then says brandy for mother which is it shouldn't be hot but it's definitely hot you're right she really is embracing her dom vibe here full and you know it's in with her conversation with oliver the survivor as Mm. well where she says she points out that he's lasted longer than anyone yeah and then he says something about his stamina and about rising to the occasion and a few other sort of of those puns yeah and i'm heading in a new direction exactly new direction and yeah she's 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 playing with him she's she's playing with she's not interested at all the love the love the faux love even isn't there for oliver she's just like ugh, i guess no but you know (laughs) what i mean yeah she's yeah she's toying with this thing yeah is it because you're a college boy? <laughs> it turns out, weirdly, the stuff in the chalice was drugged. The elixir of life yeah. was drugged and poor Tom is losing his senses. Oliver is uh, selecting three bitch hounds, which made oh, me really yeah. happy. But hes they sort of construct this really dark game of murder. I assume murder by murder they essentially mean wink murder. I think so, yes. But then one of the coven mm. say, oh, it's, it's a kid's game. And say, well, we'll make an adult version. And someone says, for real. And he says, for real fun. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. I love, I love this little game. It's horrible. Segment as well, yes. Mm. Yes. Um, um, because the, the, re- the, the sort of the second gathering are much more anonymous than the They first. don't care about him. They feel about him the way we felt about Alan. Where mm. we're just like, crikey, what happened there? Yeah. Poor Alan, Poor, you know. Yes. But not even really that. And, you know, when Alan was having his freakouts, none of the friends were responding no. or caring for him. They were just like, oh, yeah, look, that's just Alan. He no. just weeps. Well, you know. It's <laughs> they might what, have what, just arrived. But also it's what um, Tom says. It's right. You, they, you learn not to care. Yes. In this world. Yes. You learn not to think. You learn not to care. Yes. And those that don't think, think. Is uh, Elroy. Yes. Those that don't care, care. Okay. But yes, they're going to play a game of murder. They are. So they have Mickey as the judge, self-appointed judge. I shall be dispensing justice. Or will you? I see. (laughs) Oliver is self-appointed detective. Uh, She's the detective. He is the murderer. Oh, yes, sorry. She's detective and she says I shall be dispensing justice, which is not what a detective does. Nope. (laughs) That's that's why it was a point of interest. And then, yes, Oliver is murderer. He selects three bitch hounds, one, two and three, (laughs) who don't even get names, you know. And... Poor Tom is our victim. Tom is victim. And they give him three minutes. There's lots of threes, three bitch hounds, three Mm -hmm. minutes to get a head start. Instead of a head start, he's drugged out of his mind, attacks a bed, attempts to jump out of a window, attacks a bed, steals a bit of the bed to stab him with and falls down the stairs. Yes, I was going to say, off his face on hallucinogens, crying in his ex's wardrobe. (laughs) (laughs) Like so many before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Yes, like yeah, obviously we're, this we're is what happened to to the other two as well, yeah. right? The, 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 that Elroy warns him about earlier, the terrible car accidents that they had. Yeah. Obviously were preceded by an experience such as this. Horrible. There's a heart rate pumping as the soundtrack here that's really effective. It's the only time it's used in the whole film, but there you go. Mm. And she's in, uh, Mickey's in full Queen of Swords mode. If we're going to go back to Tarot, she is cold. Let's. She is in charge. She is unfeeling at this point, deliberately and she's just watching the whole thing play out like a big game, which is all Queen of Swords energy. Yes, one of the possible titles for this when it was in development was Games and Toys. Yes. Which is from a, a line of hers where it's, that's all there is, it's Games and Toys is all that there is. Yeah. Because it's all a game Yeah, to her. all of them are just toys. Yes. Horrible response to smelling salts. And the Queen of Swords, uh, <laughs> Mickey, is stood there going, how did he die? And they say, he fell down the stairs and broke his neck. And she says, bring him to life. Yeah. And Elroy comes through looking like this is just a part of his normal Tuesday night. Holds smelling salts up to Tom's mouth and Tom just freaks. It's really horrible. Yeah. Because obviously he'll still be tripping as well. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah. And it's all very ritualized as well. Like there's a form and they're going through it. And she says, you'll get in the white car. You'll drive as fast as you can. We'll give you a head start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she if, says... If they catch you. She says you have a chance, right? It yeah. wouldn't be a game if there wasn't a chance that you could win. Yeah. Although it's an outside chance. But yes, go on. Yeah, exactly. It's an outside chance of winning. And if my creatures catch you, they'll tear you apart. Yeah. So, exciting and horrifying. He should not be driving on any level. No. Um, it's, it's like <laughs> Wolf oh. on Wall Street, but a thousand times worse. But then, before she gets in the car, he, she then says wipe your nose which is a callback yes. to her his earlier fight with oliver right well she says can you hear me yes and then she says wipe your nose and he does, he does. and that's her cue to say oh well you've understood yes and i said again ava looking like a medieval queen the rally driving skills of that stuntman are actually great <laughs> aren't they yes like you really can't that's yeah. dark and it's countryside and yeah. just going off road and it is going quick you can tell when they undercrank it and speed it up you know oh, when yeah. you do those guys. but no they're really thrashing it that mm. is a an aston martin dbs that he's driving lovely the, the white car a substitute white steed from the yes from the poem of course uh, yeah credit to the IMCDB, the Internet Movie Car Database, for information on what car that was, because I shamefully did not recognise it. Very cute. They and, did every uh, car in the in the scene on the motorway. Didn't yeah, they? pretty much. If you spot Sweet. something in the background, they, they, they'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a, my dad would love it. So. <laughs> um, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful car. But then I suppose Aston Martin, they were good at that sort of thing. Yeah, but also how did we get hold of that for this film? (laughs) There's a lot of odd things going on, I feel. I really don't know how much money was was spent on it. Like, I don't think it was a big budget thing. Maybe it was just one of their cars. It looks good. It's a weirdly safe landing, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose they didn't have the budget to destroy an Aston Martin. Sorry, I've missed a bit. It's a weirdly safe landing because crazy pregnant girlfriend gets in the car with him oh yeah she turns and, up as well and takes the key out yeah she turns up while he's absolutely high as a kite she's like oh good we'll get in the car and then she's like I've made oh a we need to stop this yeah. yeah and she takes the keys out of the car while it's driving and then they have a very polite pause you know like it mm-hmm. just it just quietly rolls down the hill and i'm like oh that's nice good work everyone yeah. i would not have thought of that and then yes ava looking like a medieval queen or Mickey, rather. Mm. And then this insane scene is like watching someone else's nightmare. 
on screen. The drums are really amazing. Sometimes Tom's a bear and the woods are on fire. Yeah, all sorts going on. Then he's attacking Janet in a puddle. <laughs> then he's grappling a big snake and being strangled by it in a bog. Turns out it's Janet. Yes, yes. So we keep cutting between his point of view and Janet's yeah, presumably. But I have also said, seriously, Janet, leave him be, like your prego. Yeah, oh, yes, that's what I'm noticing. Yeah. She's crawling through the mud and getting beaten up with scratches on her face and I think her dress is torn on the shoulder and stuff. And you're like, you're. You are you pregnant. You really shouldn't be doing this, no. at however pregnant you are. Although she does technically save his life. Spoilers, you should have watched it. Um, he does yep. set himself on fire with water, which is really freaky and amazing. I don't know how they did that. It's a nice... Because uh, obviously it looks yeah. like they've been sort of dubbed on, which I know how they would do in the 80s, but I don't know how you do that in 1971. Good point. I wouldn't, maybe it's painted maybe. incredibly well. Yeah, but it... Seems unlikely. It's good, because it looks otherworldly, you know? And yeah. the... The, this scene, it's its a fairly long sequence of the running through the woods. It's yeah. quite nicely done. We've got a very mobile camera. The lighting is good because it is properly dark. A lot of things seem to be illuminated by the car headlights. Yeah, it's none of that day for night business. Like no. It's a proper, like, we are in the darkness. And as you say, yeah, floodlit by headlamps on the car's headlights. And the, yeah, and the soundtrack does sound like he's going to blow a gasket at some point. But it's yeah. quite, it is quite authentically sort of nightmarish of, yeah. because he's also still... It's quite lysergic and otherworldly at the same time. Yeah, and there's so many gorgeous shots. And I put, I guess that's just over them, you know, because it's, it's just like they have all this drama, all this drama, and then this feeling of like, oh, it's over. Everybody go. Yes. Because <laughs> he won the game. Yeah. He got away. He won the game. And Oliver says, everybody can go. It's not my fault. You know, she's... Yeah. Um, it Mickey didn't smacks work. him. Yeah, it didn't work. Mickey smacks him and he's like, oh, it's not my fault. But obviously Mickey looks beyond furious as if she could look more furious. <laughs> uh, it's unusual to have the woman save the man um, yeah. as well, which I quite liked. I suppose also this is all from the poem. This is all from yeah. the ballad as well. That they will turn me in your arms into a, a lion bold into a snake and then ah. uh, hold me tight and fear not. I am your baby's father, right? From the uh, okay. from the Fairport version, anyway. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, there are dozens, yeah. dozens of, of iterations of this idea of this song. But the idea is that that yes, he's going to be on a white steed. Mm-hmm. Pull me from the white steed and hold me in your arms, and I will change into all these frightening things. But if you hold me, which is something he says earlier as well, when he says my week is up she's going to kill me and yeah. Janet says oh well, that's ridiculous says, I know it's ridiculous but she's, going to, she's going to do it and mm. yes yeah, hold me she needs to keep hold of him or yeah. he's lost and and I suppose that also works that he's sobered up after all of that running around yeah. and, and because then we see him shirtless and unresponsive but then we see his arm he, he touches her hand yes. yeah and, and they're nice and wet and dewy and <laughs> and both of them looking quite morning fresh you know sun is rising and yes it's the end of the day before the, the that's deal has gone through yeah. exactly and also like his he appears present in the eyes in a way that yes. he didn't before yeah if that makes sense but then we cut to a plane and i think it's quite an ambiguous ending in an odd way it feels like her and oliver are off to do it again mickey and oliver yeah um no sign of elroy on the plane with them no but he won't be far away no you know and he's and oliver says something like Will I be all right for money? Yeah. And Mickey's just like, I've got money everywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't bother me with this petty bullshit. But he mm-hmm. he is then wearing the shades. 
Yeah, yeah, the shades that run all the way through, right, yeah. right from the very, very beginning, and I. Yeah, I, I don't have much on them other than it's like they're another glamour where you can't. It's stopping you from seeing clearly when you're wearing. Yeah, them. I really put them again. I I have a lot of Midsummer Night's Dream, um, mm. metaphors in this film. It's why I feel like Puck is Elroy. Yeah, and I feel like the sunglasses are the potion in the eye. They're the the flower in the eye. Yes, um, to make you fall in love with. To things. make you fall in love with things and to make you see things differently. And I I think the spell is broken for the others. But, and also with the transformation into animals, and there's a lot. Yeah. There's like Queen of the Fairies, of course. Lots yeah. and lots and lots of similarities. So it's, it's an odd one to have it end like that. I think. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I suppose actually is that the glasses in the fortune telling scene. Yeah. Everybody leaves after Vanna has her. Yep. Strong reaction to the glasses. Yeah. Everybody's left except for Tom and Oliver. And Oliver says, you better take the glasses, you know, they, they're your future. But then at the end, he puts them on. Yes. And it's, I suppose the implication is it's his future now. And in seven years or however long. Ah, nice. Yeah. He will meet a similar end. I, not so cut and dried, but it's certainly, there's an ominous. Yeah, very nice. Idea to it. And then that, yeah, that she has money everywhere. She is, her pride is hurt, but she's otherwise done unscathed yeah. and going on and it will repeat we never cut back to our couple so i don't know what they're going to tell her father when he gets back from his minister's conference (laughs) i mean just live in the caravan in fife now (laughs) do you think that's us well we've certainly got to the end was there anything else i didn't have much more i wanted to say i think we were quite thorough i think we got everything in yeah i think that's us i can't remember where i came across this film or how I came across it I thought there were a couple of book. there are a few books and I thought I'd read about it in a book and found it that way but apparently not it seems to be unheralded oh this film but I suppose just uh, in closing just to reiterate if you have made it through I was talking about it and you think it sounds interesting and to be honest if you haven't thought that I don't know why you're still here although I'm delighted and thank you. But uh, you said it had what on Rotten Tomatoes? 18%. 18%. It sank without trace pretty well on original release. They say it doesn't have a release in the UK mm-hmm. currently on any kind of home media. I've never seen it pop up in a, as a cinema screening or no. on the telly. It's, it's completely unheralded. And I think it's a lot better than that. And I think... It's certainly got some very, very interesting things in it. I would like to see it done as a stage production. I think you could have real fun with it. And I think oh. there's enough there's enough sequences done in one location that I would love to get my teeth into it from a set design perspective and see uh, yeah. how you could make things transform like that. You only need the vicar's house, the big house, the caravan. And yeah. a garden. And a, yeah, exactly. An outdoor yeah. thing that you can do almost everything else on. Any sort of garden scenes, the outdoor scenes, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it would work. Elroy's the best part, of course. Um, no. That's the one I would want. You would be an amazing Elroy, but I would absolutely, obviously, want to be... I don't think I can, I don't know if I could, but I would want to be Mickey. We could We could make you Mickey. Neither yeah. of us are really quite old enough, but we could do some things with... I might be old enough by the time I've designed sets. By the time we've done this, yes, I suppose. So next up will be Candyman, pending confirmation from us. But at the moment we're looking at Candyman. 
which should be fun if you have opinions and thoughts on it let us know that's 1992 1992. uh, yes adaptation of the clive barker short story ah yes um which yeah i've as we're recording i've not seen so uh, i've got that to look forward to that's exciting yeah yeah yes thank you so much for being with us through this i hope you enjoyed us i hope you enjoyed the film and if you haven't seen it yet you've got no excuse go ahead Please, if you have enjoyed it, or if you haven't enjoyed it, or if you have any thoughts about it whatsoever, let us know. Drop us an email, hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. Also, our correspondence address for anything else you may want to talk to us about, future mm-hmm. ideas of things you would like us to do, things you would like us not to do. Uh, take your pick. <laughs> Follow us on the social medias, as they always say. So we were on Instagram at haunted underscore picture underscore palace, yep. where we have a few things, various sort of bits bits and pieces from the films that we're covering including hopefully some confirmation of next week's film should be candy man but yeah and also you know the instagram has things on it about that we didn't fit into the podcast itself that's true on all of the films we covered going back exactly or um behind the scenes photos and things anything i can scramble about and find you're also running the twitter the twitter which will link you to a new episode every time it comes out which is nice and whenever else i remember to tweet anything else which is at hpp pod so you'll notice that they're all different yeah because we haven't learned how branding works. no we don't know anything about branding but they're all there please please go and find us we'll see you next time yep don't have nightmares i'm like a dog learning to swim Oh dear. Is that it? If you like. It it's your it's your outro. You could do a different one every week. Yeah, I could. Go on then. No, I think dog like a dog learning to swim, I think is I'm pleased with that. I'm like a dog learning to swim. Goodbye everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh bye. 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 Because they really are oh. Great. I know how he died now, too. Um, <laughs> liver cancer, if you're interested. But um, Sorry, that's not funny. <laughs> I didn't want to read that bit. I'm having a f***ing uplifting time talking about Tam Lin. Um, Where do you go to, my lovely, when you're alone in your bed? I have money everywhere.